0: not lost on me that five years ago, five years, uh, a small little crew of disciples were sent from Tempe here to Mesa to embody and display good news. And I was actually, I was actually there. I was around. Uh, if I, I know a lot of you in this room. I've been able to share that space with you from that long ago, it feels like. So much has happened the last five years. But what a gift it has been, even from the outside looking in to see the good work that God has done here in downtown Mesa and beyond. I grew up in Mesa, a very different uh, part of Mesa than downtown. I didn't even know downtown existed, to be really honest. I grew up in East Mesa, the suburb of suburbs, the road where you're going to take down to Saguaro Lake. That's where I grew up. And so it was when I was 17 or 18 where I realized, holy moly, there's a whole city that is over here. And who would have thought that now I get to stand here And we get to be one church together. And I get to share some stories and encourage us for a few minutes today, and and Kevin will as well, uh, as we seek to continue to display good news through the different missional communities that we have, as Kevin said, scattered almost an hour apart. So such good, uh, really good things to be with you. And and I'm really excited for uh, what we're going to do this afternoon as we get started together. So I've been tasked with giving you an encouragement, a gospel encouragement. Some of you hear the word encouragement and you get really excited. Some of you are like, hey, I have a whole range of emotions right now. I don't know if encouragement is one of those things that I need. But I hope that these words, which Brittany actually read earlier, will be encouraging words to your ears as they have been to mine. Uh, I want to turn you to, uh, have you turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read just uh, 9 or 10 verses. The really cool thing, if you didn't know this, Missio Mesa and Tempe on Easter Sunday, just last week, we both spent time in John 21. We met Peter having breakfast on the beach, and now, with Jesus, and now, just a couple years later, we see Peter, who had so much failure and shame, boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel here in 1 Peter 1. So let me read here from 1 Peter 1, verses 1 through 9. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. Says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed though you have not seen him you love him and even though you do not see him now you will believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls this is God's word would you pray with me for just a moment Jesus, you have rose from the dead. You are now standing as king over your entire creation. And yet we recognize we live in this in-between, that the world is still in many ways not the way it's supposed to be. And yet right here you've given us a glimpse in 1 Peter of the hope we have, the new birth we have, the inheritance that awaits us. Would we be encouraged as seasons change and moments come and go As we enter into this new thing, this new season, uh, together, would you encourage us from your word? And would you encourage us through the voices of one another? And in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you just for the next couple of minutes, uh, three, three aspects of the gospel. One is a gospel reality. Two is some gospel reminders. And three is the gospel result. You can't have a good teaching uh, uh, passage or lesson without alliteration. you got three R's right there. Reality, reminder, and result. So let's start with reality. Uh, About three months ago, I was in New York City, uh, randomly for a couple of days, and as I was walking through the streets, New York City is a very different place from where I grew up. Uh, Within just 20 steps, you might come across uh, five different languages. You might rub shoulders with the poorest of poor and the richest of rich. You might have both the experience of the little bodega coffee shop on the corner and the most fancy of restaurants in the whole city. It's a city of, uh, of a spectrum in many ways. But the most confusing part of New York City for me was going into the subway system. Now, the moment I stepped into the subway system... I felt like the most most I've ever felt as a foreigner in my entire life. Everyone is rushing past me as I quickly try to grab my wallet out of my pocket, put it into that machine that nobody else is using except me, the one random person that's not from there. And I'm trying to figure out the machine, I get my ticket, and then everybody's sliding their ticket real quick through the, the entry point and then going through, and I have no idea what I'm doing. I look like an idiot, to be really honest. And I've never probably felt that way in in any other setting where you really feel out of place, like an outsider. It's interesting that Peter's very first word to you and to me is that you are an exile. An exile just means an alien, an outsider, a foreigner. You're out of place. You don't actually fit. You might ask, how's that an encouragement? Well, the beauty here is that this idea of exile is supposed to root you in God's story where God's people have always been exiles. They have always felt out of place in the currents that they've been swimming in, in the cultures that they've been in, in the places that they've embodied. They've always felt socially like an outsider, that their way of life in some ways contradicted the way of the life of their city. And so here's, here's why it's an encouragement. If you feel like as you're following Jesus and your life does not make sense in many ways to your neighbor, it doesn't feel like you always fit in or that it always all falls into place, you are in really good company. You are in a long line of Christians that have been following Jesus from the beginning that have felt out of place, that have felt like they've had to carry things that nobody else is carrying. And not for themselves, not for us to be a conclave from the world, separated from the city, but set apart so that we might be a good news people to the world. Abraham, earlier in the story, was chosen by God to leave his family to be a foreigner, not for himself, but for the sake of the nations coming back to God. So that's the first thing. That's a gospel reality, that you are an exile. You and I together are an exile people, foreigners. But that's good company to have. The second thing is reminders. Did you guys notice here in the passage all the words that are used? I'm just going to give you a bullet point list here of all of these words that we have uh, first in verse two, it says grace and peace be yours in abundance. In a moment in places of scarcity where you feel like you have no choices, the good news is that you have grace and peace in abundance that, that never runs out. Uh, you have here new birth into a living hope Uh, one one person who's done a lot of work on this passage says that the idea of new birth is that you've had a conversion of your imagination, that you've been able now, in light of the resurrection of Jesus, to reimagine life. And let me just say this, because I'm speaking to myself, some of us need to recover our imaginations. Some of us need to recover, in light of the resurrection, what God could do, is doing, wants to do, desires to do, to reimagine together in this new birth we have, What God might want to do in our midst, in our own lives, in the communities that we're a part of, in the cities that we inhabit, what is God up to? How might he want to give us a fresh imagination for the work he wants to invite us into? If you continue here, you have an inheritance. If you're an exiled people that have been taken from your land, displaced, a foreigner, you don't get to bring anything with you often. Like the folks that came through Ellis Island, they brought just a suitcase with them as they immigrated here. But now Peter is saying, even as an exile people, that you have a great inheritance that doesn't spoil or fade or isn't taken away. That inheritance is the new creation that's coming, where you and I will get to reign with Jesus as King. The last thing I want to I want to show you here, it's just a simple reminder is very, very at the very top. These three phrases in verse, in verse two says those who've been chosen by God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. I want you just to see that word chosen. God isn't putting up with you. He's not, uh, he's not just in a sense trying to create space for you uh, without really much love or care. But you have been chosen by God. You've been brought in as God, as a Father, who cares for you and loves you. And and I think the way you get to taste that, that care of the Father, is actually through the care of one another. That as we live together in the life that we share, you get to experience what it's like to be chosen by the Father. So the gospel reality, you're in exile. The gospel reminders are littered through this passage. But then lastly, the gospel result. It's at the very end of the passage here. You see the word result two different times, and the picture is of refinement, of refinement. All I could think of this week, when I think about refinement, is really three things: uh, peanut butter toast, sourdough toast, a glass of whiskey. I don't know. I didn't get this approved by Kevin, so I'm sorry if that if that's going to offend you in some way. Glass of whiskey. And uh, the third thing that I really love, more than just peanut butter toast and a glass of whiskey, is, hold on a minute, before I give you the wrong one. Because I have a few things that I like. Is a skillet with bacon and eggs, like a cast iron skillet. Cast iron skillet, peanut butter piece of toast, and a glass of whiskey. Not all together at once. That would be a bad combination. But all three together have one thing in common. They have a process of refinement. If you have a sourdough starter, you have to feed it over and over again to get that awesome sour taste. If you have a cast iron skillet, it's better when it's been used a million different times. If you have a glass of whiskey, the best whiskey is aged in a barrel over a long period of time. There's refinement that takes place. And the result is this, the gospel result that's littered all through this passage in 1 Peter is that you are being refined to become a resilient disciple of Jesus that the grief and sorrows and trials that you face are not lost, but rather they're doing this refining work so that you might taste and see that God is good. Reality, you are in exile, but you're in good company. You've been given new birth and a living hope. And the result of all that is that you will have this tempered resilience to know and face things that you never thought you could before because Jesus is with you and refining you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody around you, uh, maybe a couple different people. This is also, if you're an introvert, you can also say no to this as well. But I'd love for you just to pray for a couple of minutes. Uh, I would love for you to pray as you look at this passage in First Peter, how is Jesus inviting you to respond? What is he wanting to show you from these words? And how might you be encouraged with the gospel?